<clears throat> Ephesians. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep your praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whatever I may open my mouth, words may be given me to me. Sorry. Make given to me, so that I will fiercely make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fiercely, as I should. Amen. Who's enjoying the E100? Raise your hand if you're enjoying it. I think it's fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying it. And we're looking at the armour of God this morning. And in the book it's actually entitled The Fight of Your Life. It's quite a big subject. And I always wonder, you know, our God is so big and so mighty. Why do we need this armour? Why can't he just deal with it all? Why do we need to put anything on if he's so big and strong? Let's take a look at why. Now we just need to pray that my phone doesn't turn itself off because that's where my sermon's on. So, On the crest of the shirt of the best football team in the world, Manchester City... Underneath, I was actually going to bring my shirt, but I forgot. Um, I didn't want to rub anyone's noses in it. But it actually says, pride in battle. Pride in battle. And it's something that we've got to think about. Are you proud to be a Christian? Are you proud to battle for God? Whether we know it or not, we, as Christians, are at war every day. Sometimes the attacks come against us, or they come against our loved ones, or they come against people that maybe we don't know. In these verses, Paul is telling us what we need to do to withstand these attacks. And it seems pretty simple to me to put on this armour of God and then put it on and nothing will happen. 
You know, you can sit there and nothing's going to happen in the world. No, that's wrong. So what is the armour of God? Anybody know what the armour of God is? Faith. Love. Courage. Truth. The Word. Okay. Yep, lots of different things. So the first two things are the belt of truth. Now, I'm sure Mike can tell you, I stand in front of Mike lots of times and I don't wear a belt. So whenever I pick up to pick up my plectrum, he might see something he doesn't want to see. So this is a sermon for me to wear my belt of truth. It also says about the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. Now the belt may be a a small thing, but to Mike it's actually quite a big thing. (laughs) But Paul's not talking about a belt that keeps jeans up. No, jeans weren't even around during these times. The belt not really able to be seen it's really quite important because it's actually central to everything because it holds everything in place without it the armour would just fall off belts are used by soldiers by police officers you know if you look at a police officer now they've got everything on that belt haven't they they've got the pepper spray the baton the handcuffs they've even got you know antibacterial spray wet wipes nappies even first aid kits, they have actually got everything. They must be quite heavy. And obviously a soldier's got everything that he'll need as well. I was talking to a soldier the other day who'd just come back from Afghanistan. And I said, you know, how has it changed over the years? And he said, well, he has to run with three times his body weight on. And when he first joined, it was actually only one of him. So he said the technology has developed, but the weight has got bigger and bigger. So they're not actually making things any easier. We know that the Bible is eternal. It's unchanging and true. It's the foundation of our defense against the attacks of evil. We're told to put our body on the line. So to put it on the line, we need to equip ourselves... The King James Version says, put the breastplate on. When Paul wrote this letter, he was was looking at the armour of a Roman soldier. The breastplate was a work of art. It was custom made for each soldier. It served the vital function of protecting the heart and the vital organs from the arrows and the spears and the swords. It was polished to a mirror finish so that it would reflect the sun to blind people. I can't wear yours and you can't wear mine. It's unique and made for us because God knows what we need the most. By being righteous and living upright before God, we can rest assured that our vital organs are protected from whatever the devil will throw at us. Also, our breastplate is polished by the sun. Not S-U-N, but S-O-N. The Son of God. And blinds the enemy. So even though it was a thing of beauty, it was vital, a vital defence. 
and it could foil many things. This is how our righteousness should be. If we are living righteous, which means to live holy and acceptable to God, we have our armour on. The devil will be blinded by the light of Christ. Verse 15 says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. Our peace is an amazing thing. When you're at peace, you're like floating on a cloud. I'm not often at peace, because I'm very, very, I suppose, impatient. I can't wait for peace. Who's got a problem with their foot? Anybody's feet hurting this morning? My feet are hurting. I think I've got shoes that are too small for me on, though. That might be the problem. But feet are not something we think about until they start to hurt or, in Rianne's case, start to smell. I'm glad she's not here this morning. She was asleep when I wrote this sermon, so it's all right. Well, I think mine are a little bit smellier. One of the easiest ways to knock a person down is to take out their feet, to strike them, as Craig just did like that. Not in the face, but by the feet. Or in the shins, or in the ankles. Lucas developed this thing. He comes in, and you'll talk to him nicely, and he boots you in the ankles. And I said, I haven't done anything wrong. And his response the other day was, you're my dad, I can do what I want. Very true. Now the history books tell us of the Roman soldier's shoes. What do you think the Roman soldier's shoes were like? Flip-flops? Do you think they were well made? Loincloths, maybe? Maybe they didn't have any shoes. Now the shoes of sandals were not normal footwear. Very true. Well done. <laughs> Round of applause to Carol there. That was, that was brilliant. Great care was taken when making these shoes. The roads were not tarmacked as they were tarmacked today. Although the roads around locking stumps are not very well tarmacked either. Their shoes or boots consisted of a, an elaborately cut and laced sandal of which the sole was layers of metal and leather with hobnail spikes extending one and a half inch into some cases inches from the sole to plant into the ground to keep them from being moved. Some had toe spikes or built-in spurs which would do damage to the enemy. The uppers of the sandals were often armoured by small overlapping pieces of metal riveted to the leather straps. In addition, attached to the uppers of the sandal were removable metal grooves that extended up over the kneecap, protecting the knees, shins, and ankles. I think I might need them, actually. The King James Version puts this verse in a little bit more descriptive manner. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we must be prepared... We must have the gospel ready for any situation that we are going to face. Our feet are the only way that we can stand. And we are told, having done all to stand, stand there before. 
Doing all we can to stand means being prepared so that we'll be protected from things that would cause our feet to hurt or be injured. Just as you wouldn't go hiking in high heels or dress shoes, neither should you face the day and the problems that it may bring without the wrong footwear. Make no mistake, the devil will try anything to cut us down and make us fall. This includes those little low blows. Because he knows if we can injure our feet, we cannot stand. Normally I use the New Living Translation when I'm looking at writing a sermon. People like it and have read it through. I find that it closely conveys the same thought and intent as to what I've been taught since birth. There are exceptions, however. Verse 16 is one of them. It says in the New Living Translation, In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. But in the King James Version, it is in the case not only more descriptive, but I believe more accurate. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I really like that. Do you see the difference? We must have our shield of faith above all. Meaning if we forget everything else, we must have that. The word taken in the context here means to violently seize. No matter what, we must remember to grab that shield of faith. Why? Because without faith we have nothing. It is faith in God that allows us to even stand up and put on God's armour. But what is faith? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now there are many sermons on faith, and you can probably talk for a long time about that subject. But the most profound thing that we need to know is that we have faith the size of a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds that there ever is, we can move mountains. When we pray for something, we must fully believe that it has already been received. We need to thank God that he has already met the need we are praying for. Sometimes we have to speak out loud to that situation we are facing. Whether we do it on our own or we do it in an agreement with others, we have to tell the mountains to move. And I have no doubt that is going to happen. No doubt at all. Now going back to the soldier example, we need to note that the shield was mobile. Unlike the armour worn on the body, it could be moved to deflect an attack from any direction. Also, if all else failed, the shield, due to its sheer size and weight, could be used as a weapon. This is why, above all, we must always have our faith. Then we come to the helmet and the sword. Verse 17 says, Put on salvation as your helmet and take the word of the spirit which is the word of God now the helmet is the most visible piece of armour I think when you're rock climbing Brian, James, Craig here no, Craig, James here, no the helmet's very important isn't it, yeah ropes are very important the helmets are practical sometimes they're beautiful even they were de decorated with plumes of feathers or horsehair that was dyed, but they were also functional. They were designed so that a sword or axe could not pierce them. So it must be with our salvation 
People need to see us, even from a long distance, and know that we are Christians. You've probably heard my Debenham story. Which one? Brian says. I'll tell it very quickly if you haven't. A few, well, when I worked at Debenhams quite a few years ago, I was looking after the menswear department, and I was in this one day, and I saw a lady in the boxer shorts area. I thought, must be looking for something for her birthday. So off I toddled over to do my job, and I said, are you okay, love? And she started crying. And I thought, what have I said? I said, I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, my husband's just died. And I said, oh, why do I put myself in these situations? And I'm trying to buy a pair of boxer shorts for his funeral to put on him. And I thought, right, okay. So I helped her out and even offered to give him a staff discount to help her out. And then something gave me a nudge. And at this point, not many people in Debenhams knew I was a Christian. But I believe this was the Holy Spirit. And I heard a voice say, you need to pray for her. So I thought, okay, that's fine. So I said, would you like me to pray for her, for you? And she said, oh, that'd be wonderful. So I was thinking, when I got home, I'd pray for her. But no, another voice came, you need to pray for her now. So here I am, stood in the boxer shorts department of Debenhams, <laughs> ready to pray for a lady. Not in my job description. So off I go, praying for this lady, and time went on and time went on and words were just flowing out of my mouth and we came to a, at the end and she, she hugged me and she said that's really helped me and I realised we'd be going on for about 20 minutes to half an hour at this point point. and as I turned round to see the lady away I saw all the staff lined up at the till point looking at me with piercing eyes <laughs> and I thought oh no but luckily I was in charge that day so they couldn't tell me off so as I went over one of them said well what were you doing I said oh, just praying for a lady and, she went, and then the ridicule started to come are you a bible basher etc etc but two of them came to chat with me and we, we spent the next hour or so talking about faith talking about God and church and the next week they came to an event that YFC run I've never seen them again but that's not the point who knows what happened in their lives after that? I'll always remember that. It's a really, really good example as well. So it's really important to let people know you're a Christian. Although it's hard, it's really important because you don't know when people might need to use the God that's inside of you. Our spiritual helmet, rather than protecting us from arrows or spears or bullets, protects our minds from the devil. One of the devil's most frequently used weapons is getting into the minds of Christians. He will tell you that there is no such thing as healing. There is no such thing as miracles. And the list goes on. Sadly, it is sometimes helped along by churches who teach that, teach that these gifts ended when the apostolic age ended. This is a lie from the pit. We serve a God who still heals, who still delivers, who still performs miracles. Don't let the devil knock your helmet sideways and tell you anything different. 
The gifts that the Lord gave to the disciples are still working today. In fact, John's Gospel, 14, verse 12 says, Jesus himself, in a conversation with Philip, said that we as Christians will do greater works than he did because his time on earth was limited. He was here to show us the way, but he had to ascend back to heaven to be with the Father. So we can know beyond any doubt that God still performs miracles through us. All we have to do is keep the helmet of salvation tight on our head so that the devil cannot get in and plant doubt in our minds. Then we come to the sword. And the history books put it this way. The sword of a Roman soldier of that day was a feared weapon. It was short, lightweight and well balanced. Not like they are today. It was quick and deadly. The two razor sharpened edges of the broad blade could easily slice a roast. And the flared and tapered point was designed to easily penetrate and disembowel the enemy. It was well known that if a Roman soldier ever got his sword out, he would use it. What's our spiritual sword? Anybody know that? What's our secret weapon? The Word of God. The Bible. To use our spiritual sword effectively, we must study and learn the Word of God. That's why we're doing this E100. We must be knowledgeable of the Bible, especially the promises that the Lord made to us. And we must be ready to use them. So that when the devil comes to try and attack us, to try and knock our helmet off and get into our minds, we can pull our sword and pierce him. Now that we know what the pieces of the armour are, and we know how to put them on, we have to be trained how to use them. A soldier, no matter whether it is a modern soldier or a Roman one, can have all the best weapons at his or his or her disposal. They can even have a nuclear bomb. But if they don't know how to use them, they will not be effective. Sure, you might be able to cut something with a sword. Even a small child, assuming they could pick up a sword, could swing it around and cut something. I had a panic moment yesterday. I had my garden shears out. and No, I still haven't done it. Don't worry, Brian. I promised Brian I'd go and cut his head. I haven't done it. So... Um, they were in the back garden and they had the cover on, well and truly tapered up and etc, etc. Luke had gone out to play in the garden. And he came in and went, Dad, look! And I went, ah! So uh, that was a quick heart attack moment. So now, Luke, we need to learn how to use these properly, but not at two years of age. Without the proper training and practice, all these weapons are nothing but a bunch of scrap metal. So how do you learn to use them? How do you get that training? Verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This verse is the key to the whole thing. We must pray at all times and at every occasion. This means to always keep our hearts in prayer. To pray all the time. We don't have to always be kneeling down in front of an altar to pray. We don't have to repeat pre-printed words over and over. In fact, we are warned against doing this by Jesus himself. Matthew 6 verse 7 says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, but they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Let the prayers come from our hearts. 
The Lord does not care how many words you use when you talk to him. In fact, one of the most effective prayers that can ever be said is only one word, and that word is help. God looks at what is in your heart. He knows what you need before you even ask, but he wants you to talk to him. He misses you just as any father misses talking to his children. Prayer without ceasing is how you learn to use all this armour to its greatest potential. Think of it as spiritual basic training. But there's no exercise involved. God does not equip you with these tools and not teach you how to use them. We're instructed to stay alert. A soldier does not go into battle on his own. They do not decide to uh, have a McDonald's in the middle of a fight. They need to stay alert. They're instructed by the commanding officers who in turn receive their instructions for people even higher up. But the soldier must always be alert and ready to go at a moment's notice. And so it is with us that we need to be alert. We can be assured that the Lord will not send us into battle until we are trained. But we must be ready to go when he says go. We may not think that we are ready. We may think that we need a little bit more work. But God knows what he is doing. And once he decides to send you, you can have that peace and assurance that he has trained you and given you everything you need for the issue at hand. Now the final thing you'll be pleased to know is that we are told that we must be persistent. We must keep at it. We must keep coming to the Lord in prayer for all believers and the world over. Yes, we can ask the Lord for what we need, but he already knows that, doesn't he? The Lord is telling us today to pray for Christians all over the world. We may never meet them. In fact, I pray for a family who I've never met. We must still be persistent. We must still go to God every day, multiple times a day, praying for our brothers and sisters all over the world and for our needs. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Make a stand. Make a stand for the one you love. Don't back down. Put on your shield of faith and go out into the world battling for the Lord. Be proud to be a Christian. Be proud to be a believer. Be proud to wear the helmet of salvation. Do not back down. Do not be afraid. For the Lord is on our side. He's our protector, he's our guider, he's our healer, and he's our rock. Go out of this place this morning holding his hand for whatever situation you have to face. This day and age, the world is hard, it's a tough place. But with God on our side, it's a lot easier. But we need to ask, and then you will receive. been a really tough year for myself and Rian. Um, if you don't know I'm off work at the minute with depression and anxiety and it's something I've struggled with for a long time but not actually spoke to anyone about. But actually getting it out and actually telling God was actually a really good thing. Um, it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for Rian. Um, and obviously she's had meningitis as well so that doesn't really help. 
and it's a hard thing to talk about but God's guiding us and God's leading us the way that he wants us to to go um, I have to make some tough decisions over the next few weeks and I just ask you to pray for me and kind of hopefully that will the decision that I make will be right um, and we'll see where that goes but you'll be pleased to know at 20 to 12 the sermon is finished thanks for listening